Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. Silverdale Baptist Church. Merry Christmas. It's so good to see all of you here worshiping with us. I'd like to welcome all of you at our Creekside service, Bonnie Oaks Campus, North Udawa, St. Elmo, and all of you worshiping online. I'm Tony Walliser. I'm one of the pastors here at Silverdale, and I have the privilege today to share with you God's Word. So this is what I encourage you to do. Go and take your Bibles, open up to the New Testament first book to Matthew, Matthew chapter 2. You can turn to Matthew chapter 2, and also you can take out these Bible study outlines that we provide for you. That way you can follow along and take notes as we study God's Word together. As you know, we're in this series called Peace on Earth, and isn't that what we're all want? I mean, in a crazy 2020, we desperately need peace on earth. That's what we long for. And we, we sometimes think, okay, well, you know, looking at the Christmas story, oh, it must have been oh, heaven on earth. And we have this nostalgic kind of feelings. It must have been peace on earth, right? But it wasn't. No, the Christmas story happened in the midst of incredible, stressful, traumatic times. And yet they experienced peace. How? Well, we're going to find out today. Now, um, one of my favorite Christmas carols is um, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. And I especially love the version by Casting Crowns. And the lyrics, I'm tempted to sing it, but I'm not. The lyrics go like this. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play. And mild and sweet, their songs repeat of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And the bells are ringing, peace on earth. Like a choir, they're singing, peace on earth. In my heart, I hear them, peace on earth, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Now, those lyrics were actually written by American poet um, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. And he wrote it on Christmas Day, 1863. Now, the problem is, is that he was sitting in his home alone in real despair, listening to the bells ringing. And yet he was filled with depression. The reason why is because two years earlier, his wife had died in a house fire. In fact, he was badly burned trying to rescue her from that fire. Can you imagine seeing your wife being killed in a house fire? There he is two years later, Christmas Day, alone, in despair, depressed. And he also, this was 1863, so this was in the middle of the Civil War. And his son, who fought for the Union, was injured, was, was wounded by a shot, and actually was paralyzed. So he had that going on. And so as he's hearing these Christmas bells ring, this is what he wrote next. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And there he was in his grief, sorrow, depression that Christmas morning, listening to those bells, and then he looks up. 
And he thinks of God and his sovereignty and God's plan. And then he closes his poem with these words. Then rang the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail and right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And that's what we're going to talk about today. How in the world can you and I experience peace on earth when it seems like there's no goodwill among men, right? And so let's look at it. We're going to find ourselves in Matthew chapter 2. We have the visitation of the wise men worshiping Jesus Christ. It's found in Matthew 2, beginning verse 1. Look at what God's word says. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, Where is he who's been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. When the king heard this, he was deeply disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Now skip down to verse 11. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. After they were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, Get up, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and escaped to Egypt. And he stayed there until Herod's death, so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled out of Egypt, I called my son. Then Herod, when he realized that he had been outwitted by the wise men, flew into a rage. He gave orders to massacre all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under in keeping with the time he had learned from the wise men. You go, wow, fleeing in the middle of the night? Living as a refugee in another country? That's typically not what you think of whenever you read the Christmas story, is it? I mean, you know, madman king sending soldiers to massacre babies? Really? I mean, that's not what comes to your mind whenever you hear, Oh, little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Right? And yet, that's the Christmas story, folks. There was no goodwill to men, and yet they experience peace. How? Well, that's what we want to look at today. How do you experience peace when it seems like there's no goodwill? And so what we're going to do today is we're going to contrast Herod with the Magi. We're going to contrast, you know, a fool with wise men. And so let's look at these two together. First of all, let's talk about King Herod. King Herod was one of the most ruthless leaders in history. He was a jealous king, lived a lavish lifestyle, and he protected that lifestyle at all costs. Now, in our text today, I see at least two characteristics of Herod's life. Jot them down. First of all, selfishness. Selfishness. It's all about me. It's all about me. I'm number one. You know, um, years ago, y'all probably have this book. This book was written by Rick Warren, pastor, called The Purpose Driven Life, okay? It's the number one best-selling book of all times, other than the Bible. And so many people were blown away by the very first line in the book. You know what it was? It's not about you. Oh my goodness, that's a revolutionary thought to a world that is, you know, focused on it being all about me. You know, it's not about me. No, it's not all about you. It's a revolutionary thought. See, Herod... He thought the world revolved around him, and so many times, so do we. 
Check it out. Look again what it says. Matthew 2, 1 says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born King of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. Verse 3, When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Now you can imagine, well, if I was a king and you hear of a new king being born, you would be a little disturbed, right? Now why is that? Well, here come these wise men. They're, they're royal officials from probably Persia. They're coming there. They come to the palace in Jerusalem because Jerusalem is the capital. And okay, you go to the palace because you want to worship the king. And they go, where is the new king? The, the one who's been born king. Now, why is that significant? Because Herod was not born king of the Jews. Herod was appointed king of the Jews by the Roman officials. And so Herod, he tried to gain the Jewish population's loyalty. And so what did he do? He built them this huge temple. In fact, the temple that Jesus did his ministry in, that was built by King Herod. But that didn't give them loyalty. In fact, what they did, they were more loyal to the high priest. And so he decides, okay, what I'm going to do, I'm going to marry one of the high priest's daughters. And he does. And they still didn't give him much loyalty. They still gave their loyalty and love to the high priest. And so what did he do? He had the high priest drown. Uh-oh. And then they shifted their loyalty to his wife. So he had his wife killed. And then it was rumored that, you know what, people were waiting for him to die so one of his three sons could take over the throne. He had his three sons killed. Do you understand? This guy's a madman. He's a crazy lunatic. And no wonder whenever the magi show up and say, hey, where is he who's been born king of the Jews? He was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. And we know eventually how the story ends is that whenever the Magi go a different way and don't report back to Herod, what happens? He sends soldiers to murder all the children, the boys, two years old and younger. You've heard the statement before, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Well, that is absolutely true. Herod was this man. It was all about him. Now, it's really easy to go, oh, my goodness, what a crazy nut, right? But you know what? Every one of us have a little Herod in our heart. We really want to be king. We got our little territory. We got our little agenda. We got our little plan. And whenever somebody encroaches on our little territory, when somebody blocks our goal, oh my goodness, right? I mean, that's why little children fight over toys, right? But as adults, we do the same thing. We get all offended when somebody takes our parking space at work, right? Or, you know, the neighbors encroaching on my yard, how dare them, or, you know, somebody got credit for this thing at work whenever I did most of the work. Or my spouse isn't giving me the respect I deserve. And so what do we do? Whenever we get disrespected, whenever somebody encroaches on our kingdom, what do we do? We become like little Herods. We get angry. We manipulate. It's mine, right? Or we may not say anything. We're going to be passive aggressive. If I ain't happy, ain't nobody going to be happy. Ever live with people like that? They're little Herods. That's who they are. Why? Because it all goes back to this mindset that we think the world should revolve around us, and it doesn't, okay? Can I just tell you something? When you live like Herod, you're not going to have peace. doesn't matter what this world does to you. You will not experience peace if you think it's all going to be about you. But there's a second um, characteristic of Herod. Herod was also a hypocrite. Jot that down. He was a hypocrite. He was two-faced. Herod was like most politicians. Not all, but most politicians are just a bunch of two-faced liars. They really are. And so here's Herod, 
And he's a two-faced liar. And so he hears that these, you know, magi have come to worship the Messiah. So what does he do? He gathers the priests and says, hey, where, where's the Messiah to be born? Verse 4. So he assembled the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Messiah would be born. And, and what do the priests do? The priests don't have to go, oh, my goodness, we have no clue. We would have got to search the scrolls. No, they knew imme- immediately what the prophets said. Micah 5, 2, they quoted verse 5. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now, here's the amazing thing to me. Herod believes God's word. Herod believes that God's word predicts that God's going to send a Messiah. Herod believes that God's word even predicts where the Messiah is going to be born. And whenever he heard it, I mean, was his plan, oh my goodness, I need to go worship the newborn king? No, his plan was to kill the Messiah. Can you think how, how hypocritical that is? Think of it. I believe God's word. I believe there's a God. I believe God has a plan, but I think I'm bigger than God, and I think I can thwart God's plan. You go, man, he's ridiculous. Do you know we do exactly the same thing? I mean, many of us here, we believe in God. We believe God's word. And yet whenever God tells us to do something, we go, I don't think I'm going to do that. I'm going to rebel against that. As though somehow our plan is greater and better than God's, right? The arrogance of Herod, the arrogance of us. And so what does he do? Well, look what he does. Verse 7 says this. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men. Why secret? Because, you know, everybody in Jerusalem knew what a madman he was. And he asked them the exact time of the star. Why? Because he wanted to determine when the actual birth of the Messiah happened. Verse 8, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, report back to me so that I too may go and worship him. Oh yeah, right. I mean, telling Herod where the Messiah was at is like telling Hitler where some Jews are hiding. He's going to kill him, right? I mean, again, imagine the hypocrisy of this guy. And that's why whenever the wise men didn't come to back to him, he was furious. Look at it, verse 16. Then Herod, when he realized that he had been outwitted, I love this, outwitted by the wise men, (laughs) flew into a rage. He gave orders to massacre all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under in keeping with the time he had learned from the wise men. Okay, you guys, you tricked me. I was planning on just killing one kid. Okay, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and we're going to kill all the boys under two years old. So what do you have here? You got a man, whenever you block his plan, what happens? He becomes agitated, and then he becomes angry, and then he becomes aggressive. You don't know any people like that? I mean, I see it all the time, even church members. You know what? Something not go their way. They become aggravated. And then they become angry. They're like this, this little volcano that just begins to spew. And then what happens? They become aggressive. And do you know why that is? I'll tell you why. Because so many Christians live as hypocrites. They know the word of God, but they do not let the word of God penetrate their hearts. So they never are changed. And we wonder, why in the world do people act just like the world does? How in the world can supposed Christians act just like the world? Because they're hypocrites. We're hypocrites. We know the word, and we don't allow it to penetrate in our hearts. It doesn't change us. And so we're just like Herod. When our goals get blocked, we get agitated, we get angry, we get aggressive as well. And so we could stop right there. And you know what? We could, we could end this story with Longfellow's poem. 
And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. But aren't you glad God's not done? Okay, that's Herod. Now let's look at the other characters in our story. Jot this down, or you see this on your outline, the wise men. Let's talk about the wise men. See, God has a plan for these wise men. And because God has a plan, the last line of Longfellow's poem came out. Look at it. Look what it says. It says, God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail. The right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Well, that's what happened. God has a plan. He's going to use these wise men. Now, you go, who are these wise men? They're royal officials from probably Persia, the east, right? Now, there's been a lot of misconceptions about these wise men. There's an assumption that there's three wise men, right? We sing this song, we three kings of Orient are. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us how many wise men there were. I mean, they give three gifts, but it could be three, it could be two, it could be five, it could be 20. We don't know how many wise men there are. And the other misconception about the wise men is that the wise men came during the nativity, right? You have all the nativity sets, you got the shepherds there, and you have the wise men as well. Well, that's not when this happened. As you'll notice in the scriptures, this is not in the manger anymore. They're actually in a house. And Jesus isn't called a baby. He's now called a child, okay? And so these wise men come months later after Jesus' birth. But I want you to notice three characteristics of their life. And if we have these three characteristics, we will experience peace even whenever there's no goodwill to men. So what are they? Number one, jot this down. First of all, they sought God first. They sought after God first. They had laser focus on seeing Jesus Christ. And can I just tell you, that's really probably our biggest problem during the Christmas season. We get distracted by so many other things, don't we? We go, okay, we get all distracted, okay, on the presents and the gifts or, or you know, traveling or the family or the, you know, the, the, the parties that we have, maybe even church events. And we miss out on Jesus or we say, it's all about the children. No, it's not all about the children. It's all about Jesus, Right? We get distracted. I, I, I read recently these children were asked, what is the meaning of Christmas? Looking to, at a few of them. Joey, age eight, said this. Christmas is the only time each year when it's okay to get fat because it brings you closer to Santa Claus. <laughs> Love that, right? Abby, age six, says this. Christmas is when Jesus was born. That's true. And a lot of reindeers got jobs because they need animals who could travel real fast so they could know about the Messiah's birth. I think she got a little confused there. I had a couple of stories mixed up there. It's really easy to get distracted, isn't it? Not the wise men. They had laser focus on worshiping Christ. Check it out, verse one. Wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, where is he who's been born king of the Jews? Check this out. For we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. So these guys were astronomers. They, they were stargazers, okay? And they saw a new star rising. I mean, you've probably heard about the Christmas star, right? I mean, what we have is the convergence. In fact, just a couple of days ago, in fact, tonight at 6.15, you can go look out in the southwestern um, sky, and you will see Saturn and Jupiter come together and it looks like one big star and people are calling it, okay, it's the Christmas star. Now we don't know if that's what they saw, but they saw some new star, some new constellation, something in the heavens and they knew a new king has been born. 
Now you go, well, well, how do they know that? Because, remember when we studied through the prophecies of Daniel this summer, that we learned that Daniel was the chief wise man, and Daniel actually predicted that the Messiah, the future king of kings, was going to be born in the first century A.D., And so these guys, they knew, this is the king of kings. He's the one who's been born. He's the one that's predicted by Daniel. So they left everything, went on this perilous journey for one purpose, to worship Jesus Christ. Now, can you imagine? Maybe their neighbors talking with them, saying, hey, um, so you're going on a journey, yes. Um, Where are you going? Well, we're not completely sure yet. Do do you know how far it's going to be? No, don't really know that. Do you know how long you're going to be on? No, really don't know that. Well, God is called wise men. You really don't know much. And they really didn't know much. They just had faith. They just knew the king had been born and they were going to leave everything to go find and follow Jesus Christ. And it's the very same thing for you. If you want peace, you got to quit looking out for number one and you got to put Jesus first. Look at how Jesus put this in Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Herod's first priority was himself. Make your priority Jesus Christ. That's the only way you have peace in a world where there's no goodwill. But there's a second characteristic of the wise men. Jot this down. They obeyed God's direction. They obeyed God's direction. And this is something that you need to know about God and how he speaks to you. Whenever God gives you direction and you obey it, he'll give you more direction. So they were studying Daniel's prophecies and knew the Messiah's gonna be born in the first century. Star appears. They go, let's go follow the star. Let's go to Jerusalem. That's where the Messiah is going to be born, right? And so they go to Jerusalem thinking, okay, the Messiah is going to be born in the palace, right? But he wasn't. So they come to Jerusalem, and this is a little miracle we don't think about. These are a group of men who ask for directions. They're not like a bunch of bubbas going, no, I can figure it out on my own. No, they get to Jerusalem. They actually ask for directions, right? They're wise men, and then, as soon as they get erection, they follow it. Look at it. Matthew chapter 2, verse 5. They get this information. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because that is what was written by the prophet. And as soon as the wise men knew, okay, the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem, they head out immediately. They obey immediately. And look at it. Verse 9. And after hearing the king, they went on their way. And there it was, the star that they'd seen at its rising. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the the child was. So this is some supernatural star. When they saw the star, they look at it. I love this. They were overwhelmed with joy. Here's a simple principle. Obedience leads to joy. You see, Christians, we've got this bad rap. The bad rap is that, you know what, if you're going to really follow Jesus, there's no joy in following Jesus. That's a lie. There's no joy following yourself and being self-centered like Herod. There's joy in following Jesus. A lot of people, they look at, you know, being a Christian and coming to church like, okay, sort of going to the dentist. I mean, it's good for you, but you know what, it's a miserable experience. And they think, okay, that if you're going to be upright, you're going to be uptight. And that Christians are basically guilt-filled, joyless people. That is absolutely not true. The most joyful people on this planet are obedient Christians. Because whenever you find obedience and you're obeying God, oh my goodness, the joy of the Lord is your strength. You're filled with life and his joy. That's what's happening here. Now you contrast the wise men and their obedience with everybody else in this story. What do you have? Okay, you've got the, um, the, 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 the scribes and the high priests. 
They just learned the Messiah's been born. Where's he been born? Oh, he's in Bethlehem. You would think just a few of the scribes would have gone, hey, it's just a few miles down the road. Why don't we go to Bethlehem and check it out? No, none of the um, scribes went to look after Jesus. Why? Because that's a lot like a bunch of Christians that, you know, we're apathetic with the word of God. We know the truth and we don't obey it. And guess what? Those chief priests, they didn't experience the miracle of seeing Jesus Christ. And so many of us were like, I don't understand why I don't see the work of God and the miracles go out in my life. I'll tell you why. Because you're apathetic about obeying God's word. That's why. Or how about, you know, Herod. Herod, I mean, he's the hypocrite. He believed God's word, and yet he thought he could thwart God's word. I'm going to just go against God's word. And I hear this all the time. You know, church members that will say, yeah, yeah, I know, pastor. I know we shouldn't divorce, but I'm, I'm just done. So I'm going to do what I want to do, Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, pastor, I, I know I shouldn't commit adultery, but I want to do what I want to do. Oh, sure, pastor, I know I should come to worship and come to church, but I want to do what I want to do. We're a bunch of Herods, and you think that's going to bring joy? It doesn't bring joy. It brings death, right? And so the wise men, on the other hand, they, God kept speaking to them. They kept obeying. God kept speaking. They kept obeying. They experienced greater and greater joy. And so God eventually spoke to them in this way. Look at it. Guided them in verse 12. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. Now, why is it that God kept leading and guiding and directing the wise men? Because they kept obeying what God had already told them previously. Some of you are like, I don't understand why God doesn't speak to me. I'll tell you why. Because God spoke to you in the past and you ignored it. Why should God give you more revelation when you haven't been obedient to what he's already told you? Start being obedient to what God's told you, and God will give you more. That's what's happened with the wise men. And so the wise men, one of they had laser focus, I'm seeking Jesus first. I'm going to be obedient to God's direction. But then the third thing about the wise men is this. Start this down. They were worshipers. They were worshipers. Do you want to experience peace when it seems like the world's falling apart? Choose to worship Jesus Christ. That's it. Choose to worship Jesus Christ. And so that's what we have here. The wise men, they, they, they go to the house, and what do they find? They find Jesus. Look at it, verse 11. Entering the house, notice it's no longer a manger. They saw the child, notice he's no longer a baby, with Mary, his mother, falling to their knees. They worshiped him. Now, you need to remember something. These are royal officials, and for them to worship Jesus is saying, we believe you, you child, are the king of kings and lord of lords. They knew this was no ordinary child. You go, how did they know that? Because they had studied Daniel's prophecies. And Daniel said that there was coming a king that would be born in the first century, that he would be the king of kings, and yet he would come about without human hands. What does that mean? That means he would be divine. Somehow in their mind, they knew this was not just an ordinary man, that Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. And notice what they did in their worship. Notice the gifts they gave Jesus. Verse 11, that they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts. What? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, those are somewhat strange gifts. Now, the first gift we get, gold, right? I mean, gold is a great gift. If you are ever wondering, what can I give somebody? Give them gold. They'll be happy. Everybody's happy with gold, right? And so why do they give Jesus gold? Because Jesus is the king of kings. And a king is worthy of gold, so they gave him gold. And then they gave him frankincense. Why frankincense? Well, frankincense was used in, by priests in worship. 
And so they were in essence saying, Jesus, you're gonna be the great high priest. You're gonna be the priest that's gonna intercede for us. You're gonna be the priest that's gonna bring us back to God. He's the king of kings. He's the great high priest. But the third thing is, they gave him myrrh. Myrrh, that's a strange gift to give a child. Myrrh is a burial spice. And though the wise men probably didn't fully understand it, God in his sovereignty led them to give this gift. Why? Because one day Jesus Christ, this baby, this child, was going to grow up and he was going to die on the cross in our place and for our sins. And he's going to be buried. But the good news, he rose again. So can I just tell you a good reason why you need to worship Jesus? He's the king of kings. He's your great high priest and he is your savior that saves you from your sins. Bow down and worship him. Do you want to have peace when there seems to be no goodwill? Well, you need to do what the wise men did. Worship Jesus no matter what. Worship Jesus no matter what. Why? Because guess what? The Christmas season's gonna soon be over, but Jesus is gonna continue to reign. Eventually, the lights are all gonna come down, but Jesus is gonna still reign. You know, the carols are gonna stop being sung, but praise in heaven is still going to reign. Why? Because Jesus Christ is king. According to the scriptures, Jesus is the king of kings. He's also described as the king of glory. He's described as the king of righteousness. He's the king of all ages. He's the king over all things. And Jesus is king whenever he was on this planet. Guess what? He healed the sick. He strengthened the weak. He delivered the captive. He restores those who are broken and hurting. If you're hurting, guess what? King of kings, Jesus can help you. King Jesus is a shelter in your time of trouble. Jesus is the light in our dark world. Jesus is the king. And his goodness is indescribable. His power is incomprehensible. And his grace is irresistible. He is the king of kings. And at the name of Jesus, darkness flees. Demons flee. Death couldn't defeat him. And the grave couldn't hold him. Why? Because he's the king. He is worthy of your worship because Jesus is king. Now, we live in a world just like the first century where there seems to be a lot of no goodwill by men. But if you will do what the wise men did, and do what? Put Jesus first, seek him first, obey God's direction, and then worship Jesus no matter what, you will experience peace. That's how God will give you peace. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a six-week sermon series called Jesus in the Midst. John chapter 13 and 14 record Jesus's final words to his disciples in the upper room. They are about to enter the darkest moment in history and Jesus shares with them the essentials of what they need to walk through them. You know, the things they needed in the midst of their darkest hour are the same things we need in ours. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses or online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. Lastly, there are so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing at Silverdale. We really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on all our different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, We appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.